This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual with me in studio, my co-host, Naz Marchese. How are you this morning, Naz? Great. Snow in Nobleton this morning, <laughs> Wally. Snow. I understand you had a golf game uh, tea time today. I had one yesterday that I passed passed on. I thought it was a little bit fresh out there, and uh, it's probably not the greatest day for golf here either, but uh, busy show today. Let me give the listeners a roadmap where we're going. Uh, uh, we're going to honor the admission of David Keon into Canada Sports Hall of Fame, so we'll be talking to David shortly after the first break around 9.15. And a friend of his coming on to uh, pay a little tribute as well, uh, a little bit of hopefully overlap in the interviews. Dick Duff, he's a friend of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I know, Naz, you've been chatting with them and uh, quite quite the character quite the character uh, so looking forward to talking to Terrence Richard Duff as well and uh, another uh, Canadian hockey legend uh, at the bottom end of the hour Geraldine Heaney uh, sometimes called the the Bobby Orr of women's hockey. I'll just call her the Geraldine Heaney of women's hockey. She doesn't need to be compared. She's uh, one of the greatest women's hockey players of all time, and we're absolutely thrilled that, uh, that we'll be chatting with her, and she's also a member of Canada Sports Hall of Fame. Naz, I noticed that... Uh, Without even consulting with each other, we're we're wearing the same jersey this morning. This is, of course, in uh, as a tribute to uh, to David Michael Keon. You're wearing the blue, uh, the blue uh, blue and white number fourteen. I'm wearing the white and blue number fourteen. So we have this the morning. home and away sweaters. So we we got, we got both sides of the both sides of the ring covered this morning. And uh, and like I said, we'll be talking to David uh, very very shortly. Hang in there. And uh, later on in the hour. We're welcoming back our Pizzaville contest. We have a $50 Pizzaville coupon. I know these are big uh, big items on the show. As soon as we announce them, uh, the phone lines light up. It's a great product, and uh, it's a $50 coupon. So uh, uh, we'll be handing out the phone numbers to call in uh, shortly after the second break. Um, well, Naz, I guess uh, we didn't get the result we wanted uh, the other night. Um Leafs looked like they were in a good spot at the end of the second period. I thought for the first time in the series, they were controlling the play in the second half of the uh, second period. The Bruins looked dispirited. Everything looked like it was going in the right direction. And uh, I was at dinner last night uh, with, with some family members, and uh, somebody pointed out to me, uh, it's almost like we're we're, I'm hoping this does not become a spring tradition where uh, we lose to the Boston Bruins in Game 7 of, of a Stanley Cup playoff series. Uh, 
parting thoughts, Naz. Uh, a couple of guys came on in for relentless criticism. Uh, Jake Gardner and Freddie Anderson got the butt of the criticism from the fans and from the media. Uh, I want your uh, p- parting shots. Uh, yeah, people have to lay off on both of those guys. Uh, they they played. Uh, Gardner had a really good season. Like he makes mistakes, obviously, but uh, he is a good offensive defenseman and plays very well. In the playoffs, usually this is uh, in the past playoffs that I've seen the past two that they've been in. Gardner has been very good, so they should lay off because he's the type of defenseman they need. Not at one or two, but a third, fourth defenseman, he's fine. And Anderson has played well all year and had a bad third period, really. And uh, that's it. Now Tampa Bay lost six two to Boston yesterday, so Boston could end up going all the way here. And if if somebody doesn't stop that Marchand line with Bergeron and Pasternak, they're going to win it all. I'm well, telling you. Well, certainly, I uh, going back to uh, uh, Jake Gardner and Freddie Anderson, and you know, we want to talk about this all summer long. Um, you know what? There's an old adage in sports: uh, you win as a team, you lose as a team. Um, I mean, you know. The reality is, yeah. I mean, you're you're a professional athlete. You got to take the credit. You got to take the heat. Gardner didn't uh, didn't shy away from it. I mean, he went into the press conference af- after the game and took responsibility. Um, perhaps he was perhaps you know he was a minus five on the evening. Yeah, so he was, that, that's yeah. pretty. Uh, you know, um, I don't. I don't like to be overly critical. I mean, he's one of the best offensive defensemen in the league. There's no question. Fifty-one points. He does have some value. Um, does he have a role on this team? There's mixed opinion on that. Uh, I think he's going into the last year of his contract. Uh, Leafs are going to have to make a decision where they foresee him slotting, um, slotting him into the picture. Um, I just, I just thought that that was a tough. In the, I, I, that that defense pairing of Gardner Zaitsev, um, I don't know. It just it just seems like two, Zay- two guys Zaitsev um, didn't have the year this year that he had. The too year many before. injuries, Wally. He was yeah, hurt twice. Fair enough. It's very difficult. And, Matthews was hurt tw- yeah. twice too, right? And uh, Freddie Anderson, yeah, they 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 wouldn't have been where the. I mean, I don't want to criticize Freddie Anderson on his on his play during the season. He was. Uh, you know he's he's probably the most important leaf in terms of getting them to where they ended up, uh, which was uh, it was 105 points, um, one of the best teams in the NHL. I think seventh overall or, or close to it, um, and he was the key figure in that. But to be fair, during the playoffs, um, and I think Damian Cox made this point uh, more so than anybody else. I mean he he sandwiched uh, two and a half spectacular games around, let's say, four to four and a half mediocre ones. Um, and in the playoffs, you need your goalie to stand on his head, uh, I think, a little bit more than that. Um, and in the third period, um, I thought the, I thought what turned that game around was the fourth goal, uh, which, which to me, an NHL goalie doesn't let in. From from the point unscreened, wrist shot, you're up four three, uh, and I thought that just turned the game around. But you know what? Like they say, you win as a, you win as a team, you lose as a team. Uh, congrats to the Leafs overall. 
uh, on a fantastic season. I think we have to be fair with that. Um, gave a lot of people a lot of encouragement. Uh, it was a lot of fun watching them. There's a lot of promise there uh, in the hands of, uh, we don't can't even say in the hands of Lou Lamorello because his status hasn't been confirmed, uh, but in the hands of the management and the Shanna plan and, and all of that, you know, everybody, it's obvious where there's a couple of holes to be plugged on this team. But overall, you know, Marner played a fantastic series. I mean, let's, you know, yeah, I he, mean, he really you know, he, he took his game to, uh, I thought, to, a, you know, to a different level, you know, in, in against the Boston Bruins, perhaps, you know, perhaps a likely, I wouldn't say likely at this point, but I wouldn't be surprised if they won the Stanley Cup or made it to the Stanley Cup they finals. Could. They're probably the best team right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know how you got to stop that uh, that Marshawn Bergeron uh, Pasternak line, but uh, Tampa Tampa's coaching staff and management staff had a couple of days to try and figure it out, and they didn't figure it out. And so the Leafs uh, the stopped them three times too. Yeah, they went zero points in those three games. The Leafs won. So certainly uh, a lot of optimism. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't the way we would have liked to have seen the season end, but uh, you know the 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 tools are in place. There's a, there's a couple of holes on the D we'd like to see uh, fixed and. Uh, they're not that far away. So uh, hope springs eternal. And I'll leave off that discussion by just saying it was an overall, it was a great season for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and there's a lot of optimism for, uh, for next year. There certainly is, for sure. Anyways, we've got to go to break, and right back after the break, we'll be talking to Toronto Maple Leaf legend and inductee into Canada Sports Hall of Fame this week, David Keon. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when I travelled to Italy to explore my Italian heritage. I have family in Caprese, home of Michelangelo, who famously painted the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. It took him four years. We must be distant relatives because it took me almost as long to paint the ceiling of my garage. I'm sure he did a bunch of nudes, but I did two coats. Pizzaville Stone Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. There's an old saying. Entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000 square foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. 
From face-offs to playoffs, field goals to own goals, you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. And if you're listening in downtown Toronto, we're also on 96.7 FM and live streaming at www.zoomerradio.ca. We're pleased to uh, welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I've uh, been told I got a producer's message in my ear. The phone's now working. Sebastian, apparently the phones are working again. Uh, we're welcome. To, we're pleased to welcome to the Nazawali Sports Hour, David Michael Keon. Good morning, David. How are you this morning? I'm good, Wally. Walter, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, we're thrilled to have you, David, uh, and we're thrilled about... Uh, uh, your induction into Canada's Sports Hall of Fame this week. Uh, certainly uh, a significant, significant honour joining our nation's greatest athletes. Uh, well received amongst the, uh, amongst the sports media in Canada, David, and, and extremely well received amongst the fans and everyone else. And the comment generally that I saw more than anything else is you should have been in there a lot earlier than but uh, we're happy that you're there and we'd like to get your your thoughts and your reaction to this uh, to this honor well i was thrilled when i uh, was notified uh, i'm trying to think it was uh, about six or six or seven weeks ago when they called me to tell me and uh it was a uh, surprise but i was uh, thrilled and uh I have you to thank for that. Well, uh, thanks, David. Uh, um, and uh, I just I, I want to go off and uh, talk a little bit about, uh, of course, David Michael Keon. Um, you you made a point of um, when you when you. Um, uh, Gave a little your thoughts right after you had uh, been inducted that uh, you were thrilled. Uh, your little boy growing up in Roy Naranda. Uh, a lot of honors have come your way in the last few years, um, and it's certainly um, well deserved. As you, uh, as I've, uh, as I, David, you and I have chatted, and you know how I feel about your accomplishments. As a little boy growing up in Roy Naranda, um, looking back now, did you ever, ever think or uh, look that far ahead that? Uh, um, you would be you would be immortalized in Canada Sports Hall of Fame in the greatest Toronto Maple Leaf ever. How do you even react to that? Oh well, that's not ever something that uh, ever crosses your mind. I mean, you're when you're growing up and you uh, think that you would like to be you'd like to play hockey uh, for a, for a living or. And playing the National Hockey League, the only goal that you have is to uh, to make it to that level and to make a team. And then, when you do that, uh, you want to stay with that team. Uh, and then the next goal probably is to uh, is to uh, make a contribution and then uh, win a Stanley Cup. And. Uh, I was fortunate that uh, I made the National Hockey League, and I've played for the Leafs at a time when they were uh, just starting to uh, to peak, and I uh, was fortunate to 
to play on some Stanley Cup teams. Good morning, David. How are you this morning? I'm good, Naz. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How does it feel being a, an athlete, a hockey player, being amongst the top world's best in Canada? That's what you, what's happened, uh, being part of the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame. You're amongst the world's best in all sports. How does it feel? Well, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> I think I mentioned it to somebody that uh, you're, um, you have a cross-section of athletes who have competed in uh, many, many sports and have been Olympic athletes and Olympic winners, and you are now uh, included with that uh, group of people. So it's a pretty... Uh, it's a pretty awesome feeling. Uh, we're talking to David Keon. David, uh, um, as part of, you know, obviously you and I have chatted about this, and uh, um, there are a lot of people who supported uh, um, your accomplishments in, in obviously, uh, the ones re- being, being admitted to Legends Row at the ACC, having your sweater retired, um, the greatest Toronto Maple Leaf. There's a lot of, lot of people who have supported you and, and think very, very highly of your accomplishments. And there's one particular individual that I that I had spoken with, and I and I feel it important. I, I want to repeat this on the air for our listeners. And this is this is uh, when I chatted with Commander Chris Hadfield. Of course, that's Canada's great astronaut and one of the greatest Canadians of our generation. Uh, this were his comments um, about you, David. Um, and I know, I know you don't. Uh, you, you'd probably prefer that uh, you, you don't. You don't take compliments very well, probably. But I'm. I'm. I'm going to do this. Uh, this is what Commander Chris Hadfield said. I can think of no player, no Canadian, that more richly deserves to be in Canada Sports Hall of Fame. I look forward to taking my children and granddaughter there and showing them someone who truly inspired me. Um, Chris Hatfield's one of the greatest Canadians of our generation, and uh, truly some inspiring words about you, David. Uh, how do you react to that? Well, that's pretty overwhelming. I, I had the opportunity to meet him in uh, uh, November in Montreal. He was uh, It was the 100th anniversary of the founding of the NHL, and he was at the game, uh, and I met him and I talked to him, and... Uh, he um, voiced uh, the words that uh, that you just read, and it was um, uh, it's pretty overwhelming. And uh, David, I just uh, uh, one other comment I'd like to make, and it goes back to uh, some comments you've always made about the rivalry between. The Toronto Maple Leafs and the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, uh, in the early 60s, when you came up, the Canadians had just won five Stanley Cups in a row. Uh, and then you came you came to the Leafs from St. Mike's College and uh, won Rookie of the Year their first year, and then you ran off three Stanley Cup victories. And, of course, the, there were some huge battles between Toronto and Montreal in those days, especially uh, the, the late 50s and the 60s. And uh, there was a, um, a noted uh, journalist, one of Canada's greatest sports writers of all time, Red Fisher at the Montreal Gazette, wrote this about you. Uh, when you're talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs, there is no question in my mind that Dave Keon was my favorite. 
He was my favorite offensively. He was my favorite defensively, and he was the complete hockey player. And he wore that Toronto Maple Leaf sweater like no other Toronto player I ever watched. And what's so impressive about this, David, is it wasn't written by a Toronto sports writer. It was written by a Montreal sports writer. Uh, That was the respect that you had earned uh, amongst the most fierce rivals that uh, the great Red Fisher thought that nobody ever wore a Toronto Maple Leaf sweater like you. And just so that you're aware, David, uh, Naz and I are both wearing our number 14 uh, sweaters this morning in studio. I had a tribute for you. But well, that's very nice. Look, looking back at the, the Toronto-Montreal rivalries, and uh, obviously uh, those were games that uh, you must have got up uh, incredibly. Tell us a little bit about uh, that great rivalry and how much it meant to, to beat the Montreal Canadiens, especially being a Quebec boy. Well, I think that... Uh, uh you know, the Canadians were the standard that everybody at the time, that everybody was trying to beat. They, When I came, got to the Leafs, they had uh, just won five Stanley Cups in a row. And when you, when you think of that, um, that's pretty astounding because uh, it's... Uh, we won three, and I know how difficult it was to, you know, to win the third one. And to do it, uh, you know, five times uh, has to be a testament to the uh, the will and the skill of uh, of the Canadians. So we know that uh, when we're playing them, that uh, we're going to have to we're going to have to be really good to beat them. And uh, fortunately, we were. Uh, we had a very a very good hockey team, and uh, we competed very well with them, and had uh, you know beat them in the semifinals, and then uh, twice I think we beat them in the semifinals in '63 and '64, and then lost to them in the semifinals in '65 and '66, and then beat them in the finals in '67. So it was, um, I think, it was a, an accomplishment for us to do that. And certainly, the uh, it certainly was a great accomplishment, David. And of course, in '67, uh, you were the big reason they uh, they won the Stanley Leafs won the Stanley Cup, winning the Conn Smythe Trophy. And talking about beating the Habs, uh, we've invited to uh, to join us this morning uh, for uh, uh, to join us, and he's holding on the line now, uh, a gentleman that's a friend of yours, from what I understand, David, Mr. Terrence Richard Duff, Dick Duff. Dick, are you with us? I'm here, guys. Yeah, the uh, Ilio. Ilio, how are you? <laughs> Ilio Chikan. He got home. The Yankees got him out. Dave tried to steal third base. <laughs> that Keon guy came when he was ten years old to see the Holy Name Juveniles playing Naranda, and those buggers beat us. Uh, and uh, but he seen this guy that was. Then he followed me to St. Mike's, and he followed me to the Leafs. And unlike Frank Mahavich, he didn't follow me to the Canadians. So be careful what you say about the Montreal guys, Dave. Well, I'm only talking about the guys who played in Toronto. Anyways, Dick and uh, Dick and Dave, you guys are doing so well. I'm going to let you guys take over the show, and uh, Naz and I are just going to take a step back. Dick, uh, we asked you to come on the show. Uh, you're, you you go back to David way, way, way back. back I met him when I was 10 years old. 
Oh, tell us a little bit sure, about the first right. time you he met knows, Dick Duff. He knows. Holy Name Juveniles. He's seen this guy. Duffy was playing. He was 14. He was playing for Holy Name. And this guy, his name was Jack Morrell. He, he, I think when when they brought Dick up from uh, the midgets to the juveniles, uh, this guy had to sit out, so I was standing at watching the warm-ups, and he said to me, you want to see a guy who's going to play in the NHL? And I said, yes. So he took me down and introduced me to Dick Duff. That's a great story, guys. Both St. Mike's grads, and uh, the one thing I, I haven't mentioned yet, I have to mention it, David, and uh, with Dick being on, the, uh, being on the air, of course, David, you've also been uh, inducted into the St. Michael's College School Order of St. Michael, which is the highest, uh, highest honor that, that uh, the institution that's been around for 165 years can give out. So congratulations on that significant honor as well. I know, Dick, that you're already a member of the, uh, of the Order of St. Michael, but Dick, I I wanted to ask you, uh, obviously you guys are friends and you're jovial and uh, we, we, we enjoy the banter, but uh, uh, David going into Canada Sports Hall of Fame, uh, you uh, you were already a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs when David came in in 1960 and you guys all went on that run together for three years. Uh, uh, Dick, tell us what made David such a special hockey player. Well, I mean, he was competitive by nature and... Uh he had the skills that are required to play, you know, he was an excellent skater, could handle the puck, and, uh, and, and was kind of a dedicated guy. I think that all of us, you know, myself included, and Frank and Kelly Horton, the guys who went to St. Mike's, uh, we, we owe them lots, you know, they were, they were already uh, 165 years they've been at that school, and uh, I just seen there the brochure, they said, I mean, there was 10 students in the first class, and now they got 1,200, but Dave was there with Father Bauer paying attention, and, and Father Ted Flanagan was the was junior B coach, and I remember going to Danforth in Maine to see St. Michael's Buzzers play, and Dave was with that team. I was already with the Leafs then, and, and uh, I could tell then that this guy, he understood what the game was about. He had in his mind that's what he wanted to be, and... Um, I don't know. I would say that most guys, uh, Davey included, that at an early age, they kind of wished that they could make it there, and uh, and they studied the guys who were there and, and how they got there. So, um, I mean, I'm I'm also the godfather for his youngest boy, Timmy, who was named after Tim Horton. And so, I have a high regard for Dave in whatever way it is. Okay, and. Um, and uh, when he could score, when, when the Leafs beat Montreal in game three, two in the semifinals, and he scored the three goals for Montreal. I mean, to tell you enough, when this guy, when the game was on the line and the championship was on the line, this guy played his best. Guys, okay? when, and he, and guys, he, when was the, uh, the turning point for the Maple Leafs back in the 50s when you knew that, uh, the late 50s, when you knew that you were going to be a contending team for the future? Well, 59-60, we made the playoffs the last game of the year in Detroit, okay? We made the playoffs the last game of the year in Detroit, and, uh, and we, we, the, 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 the Rangers had lost uh, seven games in, uh, and out of the last eight. And then we heard at the end of the second period in Detroit that, that, that uh, Montreal had beaten the New York Rangers at home, and we were tied. And if we win that game, we're in the playoffs, okay? So we made the playoffs the last game of the year. 
And, and then we put out Boston, who was a way better team than ours at that time. You know, I don't know. You could check the, the stats. They were either 18 or 28 points ahead of us. And Mahavich and Jerry Eamon, those guys scored a few overtime goals. I think we put them out in seven games, and we won one game in overtime with the Canadians. But it was our first time. Now we're in Montreal, and now we're, we're, we're in the Stanley Cup Finals. And now we've got the feeling, okay, this is what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to be a little bit better. And, and, and the next year really was a kick in the rear for us because we had our best year. And Detroit put us out in five games, okay? So we learned. It's like these guys learned this year. You learn when you want to get the next step forward and get there and get something done, okay? And they say, oh, yeah, yeah, that was it. I say, oh, yeah, yeah, what do you think? The other guys are just going to give us this game. We're supposed to go automatically to the finals. And then we won the next three cups, eh? you know. Um, and then the end of the third one that I was traded to New York, which was okay. I was kind of happy for Andy Bathgate that the kind of player he was. At least he played on a Stanley Cup team. We're talking. Uh, sorry, Dick. Uh, go ahead, finish, please. No, no, no. So then, then all the time, uh, like Davey would know, Toronto, Montreal, okay? And, and, and Davey, to his credit, you know what I mean? He and Armstrong killed penalties all the time. And that's, that, that cuts into your offensive skills and, and your offensive uh, points, see? But all the time, it's, it's, it's a part of the game that I never wanted to learn, and they didn't, they didn't want me to learn it either. So, good. <laughs> I was happy about that. But uh, the, George Armstrong and Keon, they played the together for a long time they were they were great uh, I mean Davey became the captain okay and uh, you know I think the Islanders would have really loved them having they were going to give Toronto a couple of first round picks to, to get Davey to go to that New York Islands he would have been on four more cup teams but uh, but then uh, they, they said no the Toronto guys said no and so then Davey went to the WHA right we're, we're talking to uh, Dave and, uh, David uh, David Keon and, and Dick Duff. Uh, if you guys could see Naz and I in the studio right now, it's, we got the biggest <laughs> smiles on our face just just listening to these listening no, to these see, stories. The other, the other thing is, you're like like Davey, <laughs> uh, we, we relied on speed. Okay, the Montreal guys were the boss team, and they won five cups, and Detroit won four. But we, Montreal got a lot of extra advantages because they had a team that could really skate. And so we put uh, myself, Keon, Mahavich, Carl Brewer, uh, Bobby Pulford, Bobby Bond say, okay, now these guys want to match speed with us. They're going to have their hands full. Okay? And, uh, and they did have their hands full because we ended, up, we ended up beating them. But a lot of it was not only that. The other advantage that I like to get down is Toronto-Montreal guys, when we played juniors, we played in the same rink that we were going to play as NHL guys, okay? And we were in the same city, so we, had, we understood the tempo of the city. We understood what the Toronto Maple Leafs meant to the people in Toronto and, and what it was to be a junior hockey player in Toronto and to be at St. Mike's and, and know the guys that went ahead of us, okay? Whether it was Kelly or Horton and, and Lindsay and, and, and say, no, it's our turn to do something. Let's get, get the thing done. Dick, I got to interrupt you for a second. I want to get David back on the line. Uh, David, obviously, this is a tribute to you, but Duffy was a pretty good hockey player too. Uh, you know, got traded in '64 to the Rangers, if I believe. Ended up with, in Montreal, other words, uh, afterwards. But uh, David, uh, tell us a little bit about Dick Duff and what a great teammate he was and the skill set that he had. Well, he was a great teammate, and I have always maintained that uh, uh, the fortunes of the of the Maple Leafs uh, started to turn uh, when uh, Dick turned pro in 1950, I think it was 55, 56. He started and he came in. He, Ted Lindsay was his idol, and uh, he was going to play the same way that Ted Lindsay played, and he did. And I, I've always uh, said that uh, when he came and he started, uh, he started to change the uh, mentality and the attitude of the uh, 
of the Leafs. And uh, Frank came, uh, Bobby Vaughn and Bob Pulford and Carl Brewer, and uh, they came and helped change it. And I think uh, uh, Bert Olmsted, Punch picked up Bert Olmsted and Red came, and I think that was the, uh, you know, the, it, they finally turned the corner. They made the, they made the Stanley Cup Finals two years in a row. Um, and then uh, Bob Nevin and Ed Jack and myself came, and uh, that seemed to be the uh, the group that uh, the final pieces of the of the puzzle. And uh, we, uh, you know, we we went. We, as you said, we in '61 we we lost to Detroit, but then the uh, next three years we. Uh, we won the cup. Uh, we're talking to David Keon and Dick Duff. Dick, uh, I want to ask you this question. Obviously, uh, you um, you were traded from the Leafs, uh, ended up with the Montreal and the hated Montreal Canadiens, and then there was this 1967 uh, Stanley Cup final where the Montreal Canadiens were supposed to roll over the Toronto Maple Leafs, and it didn't happen. And one of the main reasons, if not the main reason. Uh, other than uh, Bauer and Sachuk, was uh, the other gentleman on this phone line, David Michael Keon, who won the Conn Smythe. Uh, uh, Dick, how difficult was it, after all those years, playing against your beloved Toronto Maple Leafs and your recollections of uh, the incredible series, the uh, playoff series that David Keon had and why he deserved the Conn Smythe? Yeah, well, we'd uh, we'd won the two cups, and then at '67, we had the World's Fair in Montreal. So I always tell people how uh, we let them have the cup because we were too busy <laughs> with the World's Fair, right? And we came and took it back. We came and took it back the next two years too. So the uh, but they made the playoffs late in the season, and they first of all got to remember they put out Chicago. Chicago was first that year, right? And uh, they that team came together, and Dave knows that at the end when a team starts picking up tempo. And uh, things can happen. Stemkowski and and Papin and these guys—they had lots of guys that that kind of really played uh, better than than maybe they, they, they was indicated that they might. And um, you know, and, and the guys in Montreal. Anyway, the the first cup in Toronto that we won in Chicago in '62. Uh, the winning goal was scored at at 14-14. I say we got the goal at two keyons. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Two Keons, uh, all, all around, complete complete player, 14 to 14 is 28, the tie dome again, and then they got a boxer back, hey? Eh? <laughs> he was a tough, gutsy kid. We know the guys by the numbers, hey? Eh? We know the guys by the numbers. And, and, and don't forget that Dave, uh, Dave probably learned plenty or, or knew that Todd Sloan was a second cousin of his. Eh? Todd Sloan was one of the great Leaf players that doesn't get as recognized as, as I think he should. And uh, when they won the cup in 51, he got two goals that night, and he tied the game with eight seconds to go, and Broco scored in overtime. Eh? Dick, you were the only guy to score the goal in the 3-1 game that the Leafs beat uh, Montreal in the Stanley Cup. I just had to yeah, point yeah, that made, out. Yeah, I know. I, I, I tell him to play that, that, that film all the time. I don't think Davey was on the ice, though. No, I might have been on the ice for that face-off in their end where they got the third goal where the Chiefs scored with eight seconds to go in the game, and uh, I, I, I wasn't on the ice, thank God, for that goal, and uh, made it 3-1, but when I came on the ice to drop the puck, I said, oh, that was a tough goal. If to push it past, no, no goal in the net, right? I'd like to have a few goals like that. And then they snagged the cup, so, I mean, good to them. And uh, Davey, uh, we also got to remember that we played with a super guy in the right wing, George Armstrong. He was a classic guy, super player. Yes, he was. Uh, guys, listen, we've... Uh 
Uh, I'd love to do this for another couple hours. I really would. Uh, this is this has been so much fun. Uh, we've we've got another interview we've got to get to. We've got to talk to Geraldine Heaney, uh, one of Canada's greatest women's hockey players. But you guys, yeah, you bring back incredibly fond memories of an incredible era. Uh, I want to thank David, obviously. Uh, all the congratulations in the world for all the honors that you've received, all of which are long overdue and richly deserved. And you know how I feel about that. And uh, congratulations from uh, from the bottom of my heart, David. And thank you so much for the generosity of your time that you've made for us. And Mr. Terrence Richard Duff, yeah. uh, thanks for uh, Dick Duff, of course. Thanks for coming on the show and uh, sharing uh, sharing some great stories and some great recollections of. Naz, some... Naz, before I leave, they have a good young team there, and they're on the brink of getting something done. Just hang in there with them; they're going to be right. fine. We will, Dave. David, uh, All right, Naz, got... Wally, Duffy, thanks very much. Yeah, nice to talk to you, Dave. Okay. Thanks, Julio. David. Thanks, Bye-bye. Thanks, uh, Dick. Uh, what, a, what, a, what a couple of characters. Uh... Wind Duffy up and he goes, eh? <laughs> you, great guy, great guy. Uh, but uh, David Keon, like I said, Naz, we've been big, big supporters of his over the years. Um, you know, the, it's, it's great um, because he was... He was the consummate Toronto Maple Leaf. He was the consummate teammate. He was the consummate hockey player. Uh, played hockey. Uh, had every skill that a hockey player could ever have, and played it in a very classy, uh, clean manner. And uh, certainly, uh, richly, richly deserves every single honor that he's receiving. And it's about time. Absolutely. It really is. There are so many people of our generation uh, that wanted the opportunity to celebrate his accomplishments, and we finally we finally have been given that opportunity, and we're thrilled. Uh, talking about thrilled, uh, we could talk about uh, David Keon all, all, uh, all show and Dick Duff as well, but we've got to go to break, and we're thrilled to come back from break with Geraldine Heaney. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when I travelled to Italy to explore my Italian heritage. I have family in Caprese, home of Michelangelo, who famously painted the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. It took him four years. We must be distant relatives, because it took me almost as long to paint the ceiling of my garage. I'm sure he did a bunch of nudes, but I did two coats. Pizzaville Stone-Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics. On time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal? Yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. 
This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. As promised earlier on the show, we are going to give away a $50 Pizzaville coupon, our great, great sponsor, big supporter of our show, Pizzaville. It's a fantastic product. Uh, Give them a call. They have a wonderful app. You can uh, order online from their app, and they'll deliver. And it's, like I said, um, Naz and I are a couple of paisans, and we think this is a fantastic pizza. Give us a call right now, $50 gift certificate, area code 416-360-0740. Toll free, one 866 Seven four zero four seven four zero. Very very quickly for the fifty dollar gift certificate from Pizzaville four one six three six zero zero seven four zero. Lines are already lighting up. These are big items. Naz one eight six six seven four zero four seven four zero. Without further ado, we're pleased to welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour one of uh, Canada's greatest athletes, one of Canada's greatest hockey player, women's hockey players of all time. We're absolutely thrilled to welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, Geraldine Heaney. Good morning, Geraldine. How are you this morning? Good morning. I'm great. Thanks so much for, thanks so much for joining us. It's certainly a thrill uh, having you with us. And uh, Geraldine, uh, uh, give me an opportunity, Naz. I know you've been speaking with Naz. Give me an opportunity to uh, spend a little time uh, going back and uh, uh, looking at your career. And uh, came across that there's just been a book uh, written about you. It's called One Last Goal, The Geraldine Heaney Story. Um, in one of the uh, uh, one of the quotes in the book, it's uh, as you say, it's important for young girls to hear your story. Uh, Geraldine, what is your story? I think the biggest thing um, that I like to promote to young girls playing hockey is um, dreams do come true. Obviously, when I started first started playing hockey, I actually I was born in Northern Ireland, so my parents didn't even know what the game of hockey was, and immigrated to Canada at a young age and uh, came to Canada. And you know, uh, the first sport we were introduced to, or my brothers were, was hockey, and not a lot of girls played hockey, and I just uh, you know wanted to play as well, and always was at the rink watching them and kept asking my parents why can't I play and at that time there wasn't a lot of girls playing and you know I just um, got out in the road played road hockey with them just played and you know always was criticized saying you know girls don't play hockey and finally found a team to play on and you know as a young girl playing hockey I always looked up to the NHL guys and you know always wishing you know I'd love to be like you know Daryl Sittler or you know Bobby Orr and you know just thinking, you know, my brothers can maybe go to the NHL one day, but realistically, I'd never ever thought I could. And uh, just to see how far the game has gone, and you know, and, and the way my career went, and got to play on the national team, and went to Olympics, and then eventually going into the Hockey Hall of Fame, which was a something never I could have never have dreamt of. And uh, so, 
no matter what, um, if you believe in something and you enjoy something and love something so much, uh, anything's possible and dreams do come true. Geraldine, I was at the uh, final, I think it was the uh, World Championships with at the Mississauga Hershey Center where you guys beat the uh, U.S. What was your greatest moment as an Olympian? Um, I guess, like, um, for the, the first time ever putting that um, Team Canada jersey on, uh, actually was in 1990, and that's when we, I don't know if many people remember, uh, you guys might, uh, we wore <laughs> pink there. And, uh, that's right. So it was a white yep. pad, so it was... Uh, but, uh, I mean, playing in that very first world championship and winning that very f- first world, and, and then in 1994 they announced that it was going to be an Olympic sport, and I was like, wow, like, you know, I always dreamt that I wanted to go to the Olympics, but... I didn't know what for because uh, hockey wasn't an Olympic sport at the time. And so, um, you know, and that was just something I kind of dreamt about. And I thought, wow, like it was perfect timing for me. And obviously going to the very first Olympics in 1998, unfortunately, was, you know, not the result we wanted. We lost the Americans in the finals and uh, got silver and then stuck it out for, I guess, uh, another four years. And so, you know, I, you know, and then... Salt Lake City and just uh, that last game beating the Americans, um, especially with the adversity we went through that whole year and and playing against them and, you know, lost every game that year. So that final game when we, you know, overcame a lot and came out with that gold medal would have been is, is a game that I'll never forget. We're talking to Geraldine Heaney, and uh, Geraldine, I normally, uh, uh, you know, I, I, re- I normally read the bios of, uh, of a lot of our guests, but quite frankly, uh, n- not to be flippant, but if I was to actually read a lot of the awards that uh, that you've acquired over the course of your career, we probably don't have enough time on the show. <laughs> Um, uh, but I do want to. I do want to. I do want to let our you know remind our listeners uh, of some of the significant awards that you've received. You're a member of the International Hockey Hall of Fame. You're a member of the Hockey Hall of Fame. You're a member of Canada Sports Hall of Fame. And just interestingly enough, we just we just uh, chatted with David Keon, who went into the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame this week. You're a member of the class of 2014, and you're a member of the Order of Hockey in Canada. Um, there, uh, there probably is no more. And I, I'll, I'll just put it out there: there's no more significant hockey player in the history of our country, a women's hockey player, uh, Haley Wickenheiser. I mean, you, you, you were part of a, an incredible group of women, uh, but your accomplishments are extraordinary. Um, do you ever, ever, when you started playing hockey at the age of ten, I believe, um, ever, ever contemplate uh the success that you'd possibly that you would achieve no never that's like you know that's what i when i talked a bit earlier there about uh young girls dreaming and you know just because you're a girl you know just don't think you know everything's achievable if you work hard and but absolutely i would never have thought i would be sitting and listening to all those it's kind of still seems very surreal to me and uh you know, it just brings back a lot of memories, and it's like, wow, you know, I guess I did do a lot. I'm, you know, a very humble person and don't really talk a lot about myself, but uh, it's, um, you know, there's a lot of great other hockey players out there. It's a team game, and, you know, there's, you know, there's, you know, a lot of those other women deserve a lot of the recognition I got, and I feel very fortunate, and for me, I think it was all about timing. I grew as the, as the sport grew, and, and I played at the right time. Geraldine, the U.S. and Canada seem to dominate, but uh, other other nations are getting closer. How close are they to becoming competitive? Um, 
like you said, yeah, um, everyone keeps saying, you know, the Americans and, you know, and the Canadians are all on top every year, and it's true. And But if you look at the game in general itself, those other countries have come a long way as well. Uh, the Canadians and Americans aren't going to just sit around and wait till they catch up, I don't think. So uh, we keep pushing each other to, to get better, and if you, you can see the gap is closing. I think it's still going to take a little while. I don't think too much, you know, too much more time. I know that... Uh, you know, women's sport, you know, I know there's a lot of Canadian women that will go over to the other countries and try and help, you know, promote their sport sport, and just try to make the game a better game world worldwide. And I think, as you've seen in the competitions in the last couple of championships and Olympics, that those other teams are coming along. It's just Canadians and the U.S. are still improving. But, you know, so I think those um, other teams are they got a larger improvement and a like larger gap to improve than what we do. So eventually, you know, you'll see it more competitive in the, in the future. Uh, we're talking to Geraldine Heaney, Canadian women's hockey legend. Geraldine, uh, I know you've chatted with Naz uh, over, the, uh, over the course of the last little while, and, uh, you know, the, the three of us have something in common. We all grew <laughs> up uh, generally in the same neighborhood. Uh, we all went to the same high school, uh, and uh, we all played significant ball hockey. Uh, you probably better than us, <laughs> uh, but Naz and I, uh, we, uh, we ran up and down a couple of ball, almost, uh, almost won a couple of them Ontario championships, so uh, certainly... Uh, uh, we're thrilled to have you, um, and I do want to talk about that one significant uh, game that stay, sticks out in my memory. Of course, it's the gold medal game from Saint La- uh, from uh, Salt Lake City, uh, where you you described it uh, earlier on in this interview as overcoming adversity. Uh, I, my words are a little bit stronger than that, Geraldine, but we don't have to we don't have to describe it in the way that I'd like to describe it. Yeah. But uh, we all we all know what happened. To refresh our listeners' memories, uh, the referees in that game um, uh, decided, for whatever reason, that they were going to call almost every single penalty on Canada. Uh, Thirteen penalties, I believe, against Canada in that game. You spent most of the time um, uh, with with somebody in the penalty box, and you managed to overcome that. And I remember I remember specifically watching that game, and I was at the edge of my seat. And uh, and then after after you guys won it, I said that's if that isn't one of the greatest hockey games I've ever watched, uh, just because of what you overcame. And I'll be blunt: uh, the deliberate attempt uh, of a referee to alter the outcome of the game. Uh, I won't ask you to comment on that part of it, but um, what was it like uh, during the intermission uh, in the dressing room? Uh, what was it? How did the coach manage to keep your team focused, given all the adversity that was going on, and so that you could ultimately win the gold medal in that game? I don't know how you guys did it. Yeah, I think um, you know it was the group of the group of players we had in that dressing room. The coach didn't have to say too much because. Um, you know, throughout the year, and I've always talked about, you know, I, I won a lot. I was on a lot of winning team, teams in all sports. And, you know, you, you don't you get used to winning. And then uh, when you start to lose, you learn a lot more. And throughout that year, we lost every game against them. And we were struggling throughout that year leading up to Salt Lake City. And I think that we learned a lot from that. We learned a lot about ourselves as individuals and, and, and about our team. So when it came down to that game, and, and obviously going through these penalties and stuff, it's like, well, we have to, you know, it was the group of players got together. The coach didn't really have to say too much. We knew what we were there for. Uh, we were there for, a majority of us were there for a year 
ago, uh, losing against the Americans. Uh, and so we remembered that feeling. And, you know, it's just, I think every penalty that they gave us, I think it was eight straight, like you mentioned there, there was 13 altogether, but before they even gave them one. And every time, you know, we killed off a penalty, it was like we were gaining confidence. The momentum was switching because, and then they start to struggle because they're not, you know, they're not capitalizing on their power play. And so it kind of reverse, uh, you know, effect with them. And then, you know, you talk about the, the American, the, the far Canadian flag being in the dress room and, you know, the Americans are walking on it. And one of the players brought that up, which I don't know if it was actually true, but it just got us going and it was just what we did, what we had to do. And, you know, we can talk about it after the game, after the outcome and complain about it, as we know Haley did, gave her opinion on it at the end of the game. But in the moment, if we were to win this game, we couldn't lose it. We had to just, you know, we had to keep going. We couldn't control the referee. Only can control what we can control, and and whatever happens, happens. And obviously, uh, the outcome was uh, obviously a gold medal for us. Geraldine, we we spoke on uh, one occasion about uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs and their chances. And now that they're out, they're out. But I want you to put your analytical hat because <laughs> I respect your hockey uh, IQ. Uh, what did they have to do to make the next next step? Um, I think their biggest issue is their D. Um, I think their D core, you know, they got a few pretty good offensive defensemen, but in the D zone, I think they look a little lost. Um, I don't have to mention any names. I don't <laughs> no, you mentioned it to me already. I won't point it out. So, um, I mean, I think he took the blame himself, and obviously it's a team game. But, you know, I think they, you know, they, they got a a good group of young guys up front that I think I don't think they need to make many changes up front. Uh, they just need to keep developing them and and not panic because uh, you know you know I know we want a Stanley Cup in a in a year or two, but these kids are going to develop. But I think their blue line definitely needs improvement. And I mean, obviously their goaltending is pretty strong. So um, when you get to that level and in playoff hockey, I think they need to be a little bit more physical in that sort of play and you know a bit more experience for these young guys. And I think they'll be fine. We're talking to Geraldine Heaney. Geraldine, uh, women's hockey's come a long, long way. It really has. Um, does it still have a long way to go? I guess it depends where you want it to go, and there's always talk about a women's professional league, and, you know, it's um, it's tough because, uh, you know, unless the NHL gets behind the women's, the, a women's professional league, and I think it's kind of next to impossible to try and run it on their own. I mean, if you look at the WNBA, they, they do very well because they have the NBA behind them. Uh, so it's it, it's tough. I think it's just because it's, um, you know, women, you know, wanting to have families and, and they're not making they're not making a lot of money at it. Uh, so it, it's tough to get that professional league going, I think, maybe down the road. I still think it has a little ways to go. But when you look and since when I started to where the game is today, it, it, it's grown a lot. And I think they just need to give it a bit of time and I think you know the game. The game's there. It, it's very. It's it's a great game to watch. And I think I may, might have talked to Naz about this in a couple of conversations. Is that you know even when you look at the OHL games and there's so much hockey in Canada and and so many girls are playing hockey now and we do have the Canadian Women's Hockey League and to get people out is hard because you know nowadays the kids are on the ice six and seven times a week and there's no time to actually go and support teams and I think that's the toughest part of, of all. And I've always mentioned you know it'd be nice. If for the Canadian Women's Hockey League, if we can, you know, one night a week that there's no girls hockey and those are the nights they play, and it will give the opportunity for these young girls to go out and watch them play. But everybody's kind of doing their own thing in the winter, and they're at the rink themselves with their kids or the kids are playing. And I think it's hard to get that support to 
these different leagues, and, uh, and and obviously you need to get the people in the building if you want to make it successful. Joe, we've been talking to Geraldine Heaney. Unfortunately, Geraldine, we'd uh, we'd love to chat with you a little bit longer, but we've we've got to go. Um, I'm just going to say you have been one of the most influential athletes in Canada. You are a pioneer of women's hockey. You have inspired a generation of women, but you also inspired a generation of men. Uh, it's been a thrill watching you and the Canadian women's hockey team play for the last 20 years. I know that you, and so thank you so much for joining us. You've really been an inspiration to me, uh, and I've been thrilled to watch you. I'm gonna, I know that you and Naz have been chatting, so I'm going to turn it over to Naz to, uh, to finish, finish it. Thanks for com- coming on, Geraldine. Very nice having you, for sure. No, thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate it. That, of course, was Geraldine Heaney. Um, Naz, unfortunately, we're out of time. We've got to go. Uh, before they cut us off, uh, to all our listeners, have a, to have a fantastic week. Uh, to David Keon, Dick Duff, and Geraldine Heaney, thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back again next Sunday morning. Thanks so much. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.